think editorializing on interesting facts is sort of like the gist of it. What does factual even mean anyway? I mean, it certainly means different things to different people. Okay. Hello, I hit record. Hello. Welcome to Feature Creep, colon. Built-in microwave, semicolon. Uh, a little short feature on exodusters. Exodusters, right. So during um, COVID times, I've yeah. been doing um, book clubs in Minneapolis, like online book clubs. And yeah. one of the... Um, one of the classes that I did actually wasn't uh, uh, a book club specific. It was um, a woman who's a professor who did a two-hour lecture on African-American history. Yeah. Um, and she called it um, Potholes in the Road to... Oh, I can't remember what she called it. Anyway, irrelevant because we're not going to talk about that right now. We're just going to talk about one thing that she talked about. Okay. So um, she, in in the grand scope of African-American history, like uh, the whole country of America was built by black people. Yeah. Um, some willingly and some historically and famously not. Yeah. Um, and uh, a lot of the stories about black people who have agency just don't really get told like everything gets lumped under oh there was slavery but we're over that now and isn't everything great and it just gets glossed over like i i th- i used to think that i was really bad at history and it turns out it just was taught to me really poorly like i i don't have a deficit in my ability to understand history i just wasn't taught any because i grew up grew up here in minnesota in the great oppressive white north and so um i thought that it would be fun to share um, just a short story or a short uh, an episode about um, s- a specific group of people in yeah. United States history called the Exodusters. And um, they were a group of black people in the South who uh, lived there after the Civil War ended. And when the Civil War ended in the South, it really, really sucked for lots of black people. There was all sorts of violence and intimidation because a bunch of gross white people resented black emancipation, right. which came as a result of the Civil War. Uh, groups like the KKK and the White League, which was a, another gross organization of racist white people in 1870, um, hogged all of the post-war weapons that were floating around once the Civil War was over. There was just oh, uh, the United States was a wash in armaments Mm -hmm. and they acquired a bunch of guns and used those after the war to just terrorize black people wholesale so in louisiana there were forces uh the forces of white supremacy were so powerful that there were way more black people than white people in louisiana in the post-war era but it was impossible for black people to resist the violence perpetrated by this tiny little contingent of super well-armed, super angry white people that had all these guns now that the Civil War was over. And so there was this persistent existential threat and uh, to black people that the end of the Civil War and the abolishing of slavery didn't actually help. Like, it didn't make things any better. Um, so as a result, many black people had to move north, which is what most people are familiar with, like, oh, the Great Migration. Right. Um, and that was because the north in theory, hypothetically, ostensibly, but maybe not totally, 
resisted the idea of slavery and so were the ones advocating for the abolishing of slavery. But just because you're willing to say that you want to abolish slavery and you take that political stance Mm -hmm. doesn't actually mean that you think that the people whose enslavement you're abolishing deserve anything at all. Like, so in other words, the, the Northern states um, said, Hey, they took the position that slavery is bad and slavery should be outlawed in the United States. But then when that happened and a bunch of formerly enslaved people wanted to move away from the people who they had been living with, who resented them now for their freedom, mm-hmm. um, they were met with opposition from basically everywhere they wanted to go. It's like, Oh, whoa, whoa. Uh, I said, I didn't support slavery. Uh, that doesn't mean I want you living next door to me. Right. <laughs> So lots of people moved north, which is generally what everyone thinks of when they think of what happened post-war, right? Uh, right. post-Civil War. But there was a whole bunch of other people who moved west. Mm-hmm. And um, this was news to me until the other day when I learned about this in this like history class. So in 1879, the first major migration or exodus of black people moving out of the south headed for Kansas. And this group of people in 1879, this group of black people specifically moving from the South to Kansas, were referred to as exodusters in proper yeah, noun. Yeah. Um, the exoduster movement is alternately referred to as the exodus of 1879. And the folks who moved chose Kansas mostly, but also Oklahoma and Colorado for their new homes. And about 40,000 people left the South for these states, which is like... A huge number of people, considering yeah. how many people even lived in the United States at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. This was a deliberate movement, but the people who were di- displaced by violence were essentially refugees. And so it was like everybody undertook this as a like, okay, we all agree. We're all leaving this place that's no good for us. We're going together and we're going to this place instead. But the fact that they all agreed to this and the fact that it was an organized plan and the fact that people were organized into groups around doing this very thing doesn't mean that they had any other choice, really. They didn't have any choice. They could have stayed where they were, especially in Louisiana, and probably just eventually gotten picked off. Right. Um, so the people who were displaced by violence in the South, the black people, the exodusters, were refugees within the United States. And violence wasn't the only reason that motivated them to move. Life in general was difficult or impossible to navigate in the South because, again, like individual people, white people, individual violent group or violent groups of individuals, merchants, politicians, like even the state and the police undermined or blocked every avenue for black people to survive and to say nothing of thrive, right? right? So real estate covenants restricted sales of property based on race and agricultural restrictions meant higher interest rates and expenses for black people. So at every turn, at every point in which an individual at that time could have made a choice about what they wanted to do with their life mm-hmm. and how that choice could further their life. They were blocked by angry white people in the South who were like, fuck you. I've got a chip on my shoulder because I can't enslave you anymore. And so right. th- they couldn't buy exodusters couldn't buy houses anywhere. Yeah. They couldn't get, they couldn't get loans or if they could, the loans had like astronomical um, interest rates. So is that where we kind of got the sharecropper issues where it's like slaves basically just converted to like economic slaves? So I think that that was probably, 
I think probably yes. I don't know that much about it. That's fair. But yeah, that, the, the that caveat seems... of research need to be done there. But anyway, um, yeah, 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 yeah. So um, because they're just people were locked out of opportunity. People were roadblocked at every turn. Black people were roadblocked at every turn from actually achieving anything um, or taking care of themselves or doing anything that wasn't hand to mouth or working for somebody else who exploited them. So um, in order to have a life of any kind, people had to leave. Um, Like I I forgot to mention this, but there was actually in the 1965 uh, Mississippi black code prohibited sales of property to black people. Um, Like, I mean, it was it was completely thorough. The government wasn't helpful. The right, right. P- people were being lynched or thrown in jail. Um, so only a small number of black people owned property in the mid 1800s. I should have said the 1865 Mississippi Black Code. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you cut a, gr- a specific group of people, black people in America right. in post-war Civil War time, when you cut those people off from every opportunity and you throw them in jail or lynch them, and it's perfectly legally acceptable to do these things against black people. Mm -hmm. This is essentially what genocide looks like in slow motion. It's the effective removal of black people from the population by direct or indirect means. Right, right. And so folks in the South were facing genocide. Black people in America are still suffering from the slow motion genocide. So uh, they left. And before exodusters left for Kansas, black representatives from Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Texas, Arkansas, and Georgia met in New Orleans at a conference to discuss their options for leaving. And they talked about heading west versus heading east to Liberia in Africa. Um, Kansas ended up being the more attractive. So this should tell you something. We can go to Kansas or we can go all the way back to Africa to a country that we didn't like our heredity, our our ancestors didn't live there. Right. Um, and try to make a go of that, right? And so mm-hmm. Kansas was the more attractive option for reasons of logistics and expenses and politics. And Kansas had an equal opportunity stance. So it essentially welcomed black settlers like any other settler, which was far better than most of the United States, even though they didn't do anything to make up for a lot of the problems and extra hurdles that black people had. They were basically like... If you can get here, we'll give you land. So a ton of exodusters headed towards Kansas, especially from Mississippi and Louisiana, like I mentioned, but also from Texas. And interestingly enough, as they were moving en masse across westward across the United States, they got stuck in the city of St. Louis because steamboat captains refused to take black people on their boats and cross the river. Nice. I mean, God, like what? And like, it's that basic. Uh-huh. Like, I'm not going to take you across this river because you're black. So the city of St. Louis refused to help exodusters and basically were like, fuck you at every turn uh-huh. and roadblocked them from even crossing the river. And the burden of supporting 20,000 refugees who became stranded in St. Louis yeah. eventually fell to the people who ultimately felt a duty to take care of those people and take on that burden, which is other black people already living in St. Louis. Right. So the Colored Relief Board and the Kansas Freedmen's Aid Society were formed in in St. Louis. And they, uh, their their whole MO, their modus operandi was to help black people who were headed to St. Louis, but had become stranded in St. Louis, 
or we're headed to Kansas and we're stranded in St. Louis and to just overcome the hurdle of leaving St. Louis two entire organizations were founded just to help people get across that fucking river basically. Um, And so when, when people got to Kansas eventually, yeah, the reality was that most of the good land had already been scooped up by people who weren't roadblocked at every turn, i.e. white people. Yep. And right. who had quicker and more privileged access. And so exodusters had to take what was left of the uplands of Kansas, which mm. was basically impossible to farm. And lots of exodusters were flat broke a year into homesteading. Uh. Yeah. So, like, um, there were, like other places that saw other movements later of more people and in the 20th century black migrations to the west and southwest continued and there were even some all-black towns established um there seemed to be uh and i don't know very much about this but there seemed to be sort of like alliances between um people who lived in indian territory so native americans indigenous people right uh whatever the correct terminology is for that group of people at the time i'm not sure which um um, tribes were involved but anyway like there seemed to be sort of uh a, 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 not a road blocking effect that came from native americans who were helping black people and um eventually there was a section of indian territory that became the state of oklahoma where a lot of black people s- settled and i think they were all black towns mm-hmm. um like the exodus didn't do very much to alleviate violence towards black people um like from the 1880s when this all sort of got started the tail end of the exoduster movement through the 1930s so a period of like 50 more years lynchings increased um there were more than 3,000 lynchings that took place during that period so in 50 years 3,000 whatever what is 3,000 divided by 50 i can't do math in my head um the other like however there were some good things that came out of the 60, exodus. 60, um, 3,000 divided by 50, 60. Um, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So, um, like, some things tended to get better over time. There were, like... I, I, yeah, I, I often... Slowly, very slowly, as we're all aware of. Right. I Like, I think the tragedy of a lot of these movements... Um, God, that sounds so dismissive by like lumping it all together specifically about like looking at the exodus movement like the tragedy obviously there's lots of tragedy that was happening right there but it's like this whole generation of people um their their families and their progeny are still fighting against this right like yeah because they were never able to accumulate or build intergenerational wealth or retain property rights or have any of the things that are stepping stones to living the types of lives that we live now yeah yeah it's yeah oh man um so i just like i thought it was so fucked up that like I had never even heard about this before and even what i could dig up on the internet was pretty slim um I mean, I didn't go into de- exhaustive research mode, but like, it, there's just not that much a- written about that I could find. Right. Written about um, black people with agency. 
after that time period. You know that there were the fact that there's black people alive in America now means that some super resilient motherfuckers made it through. Yeah. In previous generations. And I want to know more about those people. Yeah. No, it's super fascinating and really inspiring. Um, yeah. It's so, hard. yeah, exodusters. Yeah. And it's hard to like, I don't know if you've experienced this, um, but I would say like in the last 10 years, maybe a little bit longer, um, once I got out of grade school and like or became like an adult and got into um, college and then even out of college and started realizing um, like when Bush was elected, uh, mm-hmm. Bush Jr., whatever is HWW. Anyway, doesn't matter. We all know who we're talking about. The the most recent one. He, w. W. Um, and it came out about how the like the Texas school board basically was just railroading public history books for mm, all yes. children in America. And it was like really apparent to me. And I was like, holy shit. Like I knew about the concept of how like it was pretty apparent to me that, um, you know, who is writing this has a big bias. Like it doesn't matter what yeah. material it is. Just the idea of like reading a piece means like, well, who's the author? What do they think about this? Like that's what they're saying. Not this isn't just fact. It's them and interpreting it. And especially when you're reading history books where it's like, you know, what information do they include? What information do they not include? What do they think right. is important? Um, and that's where I think it's it's fascinating to dig through this kind of history and look and see where um like you said like you're fine you're having a hard time finding like records of autonomous black people right like you're having you're having a hard time finding you know where are these freed men who um did find autonomy and did have some agency and like what were they doing and i mean there's a couple of very you know various more famous ones but um yeah and i'm like i mean i'm insulated by layers and layers and layers and layers of gauzy white people good feelings right like (laughs) yes so i'm i'm starting from a point of asking a question that's real fucking unpopular here yeah well like yeah so the places where i know to look Mm -hmm. are not the places that are going to have this information so i'm sure it's out there um which is exactly why i took this african-american two-hour-long history class because i wanted to know where to start looking in productive ways that weren't like you know yes yeah yeah and that's i i think it's um I think it's pretty cool and I hope we actually do a few more of these cuz I'm I'm pretty interested in this now. I just actually did a little um a little look at sharecropping um because mm-hmm. I'd remembered reading about it in high school or some somewhere but um I in short I imagine that yes it is kind of related to what we're talking about which is that um it it became widespread in the south as a response to economic upheaval caused by the end of slavery. Um you know it was part of the during and after the reconstruction right and it's it's a big part of that jim crow economy which is also related to um the exodusters right like they were yes they were attempting to you know flee genocide essentially or you know um i think basically escape they're trying to escape racial violence as you talked about and then they're facing this sort of the jim crow south or you know i mean kansas like you know, they they were fucked at every turn, right? Yeah. Like they were opposed by every move they tried to make. Um, you know, I mean, the, in theory, they were just as had just as much right to the, um, you know, the land grants of the West as anyone else. But anyway, of course, um, yeah, I, it's interesting to me too when I think about like 
my family coming to the United States. So all four branches of my family, both sets of maternal and paternal grandparents came from different countries and they came to the United States not very long ago at all. Like right, nowhere right. near as long ago as the Exodusters were right. making their move across the United States. So when you contrast the treatment that the groups of people have received, the the Polish and the Austrians in my family came over earlier than the Swiss and the Italians and the Polish and the Austrians all became farm people in the badlands um, of North and South Dakota. And then subsequent to their arrival by, I'm not even sure how much time, like I think those people arrived in the late 1800s. My Italian and Swiss relatives arrived sometime around the stock market crash so they left Europe after World War One, mm-hmm. which was horrifying, yeah. and came over here. And then the stock market crashed, and then they survived World War Two as well. And then they ended up becoming millionaires. They were outlaws. We'll just put it out there. <laughs> um, so my family comes here. Call the doesn't, cops. doesn't really build a whole lot of anything doesn't really work for anyone else doesn't they in fact they lived on the levee in saint paul which flooded every single year after the the snow melted and the whole italian community would like move off the levee and then they move back in and eventually the city of saint paul is like this isn't great for anybody y'all have to move and so they relocated everybody right like (laughs) awfully nice you know what i mean Uh so it's it's shocking to me like i feel as though my family, who've made vast riches in the older generations, the current generations, like mine are shit poor. Um, we didn't really carry on that legacy very well. So, uh, like, we're all doing just fine, though. And we all seem to, to have more than enough chances. And then you look at people like the Exodusters who couldn't even cross St. Louis, the river in St. Louis because people were so shitty to them. And it's like, it just sucks. It sucks to know that some people have had it so hard and other people arbitrarily yeah. did not. Yeah. And so I'm I'm interested in that because I and what I what made me think of this is that the struggle specifically that my Italian and Swiss grandparents went through on their way here is lauded as this like, you know, as evidence of their greatness and like uh-huh. um, of how resilient they are as people and I look up to them, right? And they didn't do anything that was like too terrible i mean they they certainly didn't own slaves so uh like they the goodness of the people that i come from is assured in the way that we tell our stories even though they were outlaws right right um and made them a lot of money being gangsters like they're they're good americans and their like work ethic and their success in the face of adversity is something that's treated like a virtue and yet this group of exodusters um their story just doesn't even really get told as much as it should and they were just as resilient and were just as determined to exist and thrive but somehow we've decided that their story isn't as worth telling so i'm fucking telling it (laughs) damn right (laughs) yeah um all right well that's uh i i was gonna say i like the um the name exodusters is like a great video game name oh uh so you know uh anyway 
I just kind of maybe we could maybe we could make a, like a version of it basically like modeled after the Oregon Trail, but it total tell a totally different story with different yeah um, yeah you know like obstacles and hurdles to overcome yeah it has a much better name than Oregon Trail. Exodusters is way better than Oregon Trail. <laughs> Exodusters is way better than Oregon Trail. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, uh, so. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. And if you have thoughts or ideas about this or opinions about this story or any of our others, please email us um, or, you know, get a hold of us in various ways. But yes. um, you can email us and that's Dana at FCBM.io. That's D-A-N-A. And that's our executive assistant and she'll get you set up. Um, yes. You know, she'll make sure you get to the right people, get to the and, right department. Yeah. And uh, read history. Yeah, and read, history. read yeah. history from lots of different places. Don't just read one version of history. Yeah. And um, wash your hands and wear a mask. Yes, please. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.